Hi, hello, 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 hello. Hi, everyone. Good evening. How are you all doing? Oh, okay. Hey, that was quick. Hi. Hang on. Let me get the sound working. Are you good? That's perfect, bad. perfect. Yeah. How are you? Good. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, welcome everyone to Conversations with Fafane. I'm Fafane and today we're joined by me, Jonathan Fremantle, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> How, how's your week been so far? Um, it's been a good week actually. I've had a, I've had a real long run of um, shows. I had a couple of exhibitions last end of last year in South Africa at Nyrox and at Momo and then then came back and then we moved flat and studio and then I had a show in Madrid and then now recently at another place. So I'm just finally back in the studio with two, three months yeah. of no shows and space work. Um, and we we're in the new our new house. So it's actually a kind of uh, you were quiet part of week. a panel discussion um, last week, I believe. Um, what was that about? Yeah, yeah. So um, the I was part of an exhibition at a, a Dalkeith Palace, which is this huge, um, <laughs> well, palace <laughs> near Edinburgh, and um, the. Uh, the um there's this legend in Scotland called Richard DeMarco who's he's 93 um and he started many things like the Travis Theatre which is an avant-garde theatre and he was responsible for bringing so many important artists to Scotland oh, wow. like Joseph Boyce uh, he gave Bramovich her first exhibition did a lot of work pre you know he'd go to countries behind the iron curtain you know poland czechoslovakia romania and bring artists that were essentially kind of locked um in, in the internal scene like, just a groundbreaking guy and he's 93 he's been a mentor of mine for 15 years and become a dear friend so uh he was it was really him chairing the discussion it was a real honor to be on the same yeah, stage or platform as him. I can imagine how amazing it must have been for you. So for those who may not already know, you are an artist, but I think it's best you just maybe kind of let us know who you are and what it is that you do um, in your day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm an artist. I grew up in Cape Town um, and I left uh, to study in London in 1996. So, um, and I've been more or less based in the UK since then, although um, I spent five really amazing, inspiring years in Johannesburg from 20, sure, dates are, but maybe 20, 2015 onwards. Anyway, um, it, was a, it was such an incredible return, um, yeah. you know, having grown up in Cape Town and spending that time. I found Johannesburg so much more... Um, inspiring and, and vibrant and I guess you know you always have a bit of a That's feeling true. about the place <laughs> you come true. from you know? <laughs> like being home but in a completely new place and I was able to start a uh, open a gallery there in in Maboneng called Hazard and in that process met some incredible people and and um and uh began working with uh gallery Momo as well and um and also began a relationship which is still uh, unfolding actually with with the incredible people at Nyrox. Um, and um, so yeah, I, I did a residency there back back in whenever it was 2014, 15, and then recently returned uh, and made some more work and had an exhibition. Um, uh, so yeah, my, my, I'm kind of I'm a very much a visual artist. I, I um I work in paint and mostly and sometimes installation and um beginning yeah. to do some sculpture which my sculptor <laughs> friends find hilarious um and um, I kind of situate myself in in between um the Europe and and South Africa um my work is is very much about a deep immersion in nature and um, I get a lot of inspiration by being 
um, really immersed, whether it's alone um, climbing a mountain or uh, it's um, on a yacht in, in, in a small yacht in the ocean. <laughs> and I, I lean deeply into these experiences. Um, and I think a lot of my work is fed by a kind of spiritual relationship that comes from um, mm. the uh, sacredness of, of nature. How the body can become a, uh, uh, a kind of receptor for this incredible energy. It's a kind of transfer. Uh, anyway, that's a that's a long-winded <laughs> preamble. I'm of an course. artist. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, I had gone to Yallery Momo with a friend of mine, um, Valessa, and then we saw your artwork, uh, Spirit Matters, and the description, mind-blowing. Wow. And I remember taking a picture of it. So just seeing your work online on Instagram, I was just so excited <laughs> that you're actually active online. Honestly, um, so can you maybe just take us through because just given that that um, mm. what you talked about how you know art and nature and how it's such a spiritual journey, but then also um, in your description you said that you can't you weren't trying to depict spirit because you can't you know show us that yes. invisible. It was yes. mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, that's that. It's, it, it's, I mean, making the work is in some ways hard enough and then trying to describe it is even harder. So, um, but the, the process is, I was trained as a figurative mm -hmm. painter and I'm very traditional training. And part, a lot of that training was, you know, you taught to paint what you see, you know, so you spend hours and hours, you know, in museums copying old paintings or, you know, painting still lives and, and I guess my training was at the same time it was a very technical traditional training but we were also given a um, an introduction to uh, a really rigorous spiritual practice which oh. was meditation based um, and uh, it was a marriage of a kind of eastern um, um, philosophy and the philosophy of the west but it took on um, wisdom from all over the world um, and so I guess for me, the, the origins of my art making and my, the oranges of my kind of journey uh, spiritually have always been the same. Um, and it got to a point when I was about 30, where I was doing a lot of commissions, you know, portraits of people. And, and um, I just felt like I wasn't saying my own thing, you know, speaking my own language. Um, and in fact, I didn't have a language to express uh, this much more intimate, um, more mm -hmm. spiritual feeling that I had. Spirit, it feels like such a clumsy word, actually, because it sounds kind of distant. What I really mean is kind of sacred. I think that's, that's a better word. Um, you know those experiences, and we have them when we're a kid, and then we sort of forget but that experience that the world is this kind of magical place, you know, and that everything is, is infinite and possible. And, and there's this concept that there are things that you can't do are almost alien. Mm, you know, you can do yeah. anything. You can fly. <laughs> um, and I think we're born with this sense of wonder. And, and a lot of my work is, is um, trying to return to that sense of wonder. Um, and I find that when I'm making work that's related to um, a kind of reverence for nature, um, that sense of wonder comes back. Um, but I didn't want to just go out and paint <laughs> mountains and paint trees, and you know, because that somehow removes you from that experience. You know, you're standing there looking at the thing. Um, and really what it was, I wanted to capture that feeling of like inner light, you know, that, 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 it's not that light that you that's cast by the sun or by a you know electric light or whatever. It's it's a kind of subtle light. Or there's this amazing word numinous, which which is close to luminous, but it means um, kind of mm. uh, sacred light. You know, light in ephemeral sense. So there there I was in my studio trying to find a way to paint like this invisible sacred light. <laughs> um, and the last year has been a process of getting closer and closer to that. Um, and uh, I guess the miracle moment for me happened when, 
as a painter, your process is add, adding. So you, you add paint to a surface. And uh, I had a pair of jeans on, oh no, linen, blue linen trousers, and I spilled some bleach on them. And I saw right. this kind of miracle happen where the, the, the dye was removed and there was this glow. Um, and immediately dived into experimenting with this way of like dyeing fabric and then removing it with bleach. Um, and then subsequently adding paint and, and so it's a kind of push and pull. Um, and I feel like I'm getting somewhere. You know, it's literally like a kid with a whole brand new yeah. set of toys to play with. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's... So yeah, sorry, your question was about spirit. You know, spirit the word yeah. spirit matter was the title for it, but, but it's a sort of play on words because it's like spirit matters oh, <laughs> to me nice. like or to that. everyone. Um, you have the spirit matter is the kind of substance of spirit. Um, and if you even in a kind of scientific sense, everything is infused with stardust. You know, we are, we are all products of this cosmic explosion, the Big Bang you know, millennia ago. And we we are constellated little individuals, <laughs> but all completely related to each other in matter. Um, and you could call that spirit or energy or whatever you want to call it. And I find that completely um, wonderful. I think it's also very yeah. interesting how when I was viewing that art, um, that painting, I was it was such a spiritual experience for me, uh, which is also interesting because I'm not necessarily the biggest art fanatic, but it was interesting that for someone who considers herself an amateur in the art world, there were certain pieces that yeah. caused a lot of distress for some reason and left me very unsettled. But that one, it had me very calm as well. So do you often feel as an, honestly, as well, an artist, do you feel this responsibility to convey some sort of, therapy where it's like um one medium to another especially in yeah. this age of you know anxiety and pharmaceuticals and so on and you know pandemic yeah yeah no that's a beautiful question because it kind of speaks mm. to the bigger responsibility of not just artists but but i think artists have a bigger responsibility because we were adding powerful imagery to a world which is already so satiated, saturated in noise and imagery, and uh, and now we have these these phones that come with us and barrage us with more imagery. And so I do think the artist has a responsibility um, to to not pollute. You know, um, I think the the danger of making art that's kind of for healing. Um, is that you can sometimes take it away from something mm. honest and individual. But I 100% I believe that, um, and I, I don't think you, I'm really just speaking for myself. As an artist, I, um, I definitely seek to uh, make works that um, illuminate and bring light. You know, I, I want, it's not always like, positive you know i think i think sometimes a work can be powerful yeah. in its honesty um but, but yeah I, I i really want people to experience what it is that i'm experiencing particularly in this the spiritual growth um which feels less like a process of adding and it's more mm -hmm. of a process of removing you know you're taking away taking away prejudice you're taking away um uh, mm -hmm. ideas of yourself, you know, that might be limerate, limiting. Um, and this is, this is a super high ambition, but I would love my work to have that effect that, you know, when you walk into a, a really sacred space, like, a, like an ancient temple or a, uh, or a mountain, you know, um, I, I would hope that a dream that my work could have some element of that, you know, that sense of awe. Uh, um, and then I guess finally, I'd, I'd like it to provide space rather than clutter. You know, I want, which sounds strange because you're putting <laughs> a physical thing into the world, but that that it that it's creating space. But I would love my work to to bring more space than it than it um, 
arrived yeah. in, with. And you looking know. at the topic of unleashing creativity, this really speaks to anyone in any yeah. industry that um, when kind of, when passion and a bigger purpose beyond um, finances and pleasing others and maybe um, what you consider serving others, um, what would you say your your why is? Why do you do what you do? Um, because I can imagine how tormenting tormenting it might be as an artist. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, it's the hardest thing I could imagine doing, I guess. Uh, but but I, it's also like breathing for me. So if I'm not making feel, I'm not breathing. And um, uh, it's 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 because I've practiced a lot, you know, and, and, you know, it's that wonderful gift that when you do something for a long time, 20, how, how I'm 44, 34, 24, <laughs> at least 20 years, <laughs> uh, you, you're, you, you get more comfortable with the craft and that's a miracle, you know, so things that were technically mm -hmm. difficult become easy, you know, um, a little bit like, learning to ride a bike once you've learned it the, the sort of technique side is becomes easy so then you're playing you know and, and actually the the work you're doing to develop is is more work on yourself yeah. you know work on your own how are you you know how happy are you um how relaxed are you or how honest are you you know how able are you to speak truthfully uh, from from a place that's that's really you. It's not something learnt or something borrowed. It's um, authentic, and so um, actually, that's mm. the thing I love most about being an artist is is that I have a place to go, which is happens to be my work, where I can chart my own growth as a human. You know, as as a human that is hopefully more filled with empathy, more able to connect. Um, and you can see it, you know, there are days when you, when I make a mark and I look at it and it's, it's so clearly <laughs> not truthful, you know, it's like, and, and to the audience, maybe they won't see it, but that doesn't really matter because I can see it. So I have this immediate, um, uh, evidence of like my psychological inner state. Um, so it never gets boring. You know, there's days. Like today, for example, I'm actually doing a portrait of a guy who's he is a really important man. Um, he's a he's he's a really a real gentleman, but he's a you know he's a he's an important dude. And I've had him in the studio, and I've been paying, and I don't do many portraits anymore because I really want them to be special. So I do two or three a year, and um, he's he, he's just recently retired, and he works. Um, Anyway, he's a, he's a, he's a mensch. Um, and there he is sitting. And I knew from the beginning of the process that <laughs> I had got the head wrong. And um, every time he's come for a sitting, I've tried to fix it and add more. And just knowing that fundamentally it was wrong. And today I just wiped the whole thing off the head. Um, kind of erased three months worth of work. And I feel completely, completely. Uh, liberated of I haven't felt this happy you know in long. and so that that's one of the magics of it you know the 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 measurement isn't like is it good or bad it's is it right you know um and uh I don't know if that <laughs> answers your it question does. <laughs> it does it's so interesting um I did wonder when it comes to art, because I've often felt mm. maybe that the art industry is kind of like, it's kind of like a country club. It's just really difficult to get in and it's uh. more select few, you're either born in it or you're not. Um, how but, do you feel that you can maybe, I don't know if you say democratize or mm. just really open people up to understanding that there's a beautiful synchronicity between the mm. art industry and human nature and personal growth and like therapy like we were saying earlier yeah, yeah. that's a beautiful question that's a really important question because uh, there's two things that we're talking about yeah there's art yes. and then there's the art industry and the art industry has basically mm. zero to mm. do with art you know the art industry 
is where art gets sold. It's it's like it has as much to do with art as checkers has to do with tomato. You know, um, so so uh, and unfortunately there is there's this quite toxic link and and there is a kind of it being tied up with money um, and privilege and um, kind of ideas of being superior and and then you have these museums which are kind of basically places <laughs> for bowling shit <laughs> and and um, ideas of empire and you know all of that rubbish um, and you know art is is mm. is is put on that shelf and put into often that's the environment where art is seen and i i feel very passionate that uh art should be a obviously available for everyone um even though that sounds obvious it doesn't always appear it um and that it shouldn't be uh it shouldn't be seen in this kind of uh right. supermarket environment like <laughs> posh supermarket that that doesn't mean I, did, I I I having a gallery actually for a while and running one um, it gave me a lot more insight into the art world and understanding how it works. I don't um, you know you have to play the game and sell your work. You 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 have a gallery work. I try and make every exhibition as kind of uh, open as possible. The show at Nyrox was amazing because the the space is so non art. Um, white cube gallery like it's yeah. a softer space the, the, the grass the um you know so that's that's a really wonderful kind of environment to show my work um but the other thing is is i, I feel um whenever i can i i'm i'm speaking about my work in i try and demystify it as much as i can you know it's the actual act of making art it's you know it's like digging a hole you know whatever it's mm -hmm. there's nothing special about that. what's special is that uh it's possible to be really honest and open and uh um it's a very lucky place to be you know um there was something else i wanted to say um yes um this whole area of art and healing I think we're getting to a place in society where um, it's it's a tough time. You know, these are kind of dystopian times. And I think the more I feel my work is a, is a way to grow as a human, mm -hmm. the more I want to share that. I don't necessarily want paintings. I want to share what happened, you know, what happened to allow the painting to 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 work, you know. And that's that's kind of spiritual growth rather than, how did I mix that color, you know? So I'm, I'm constantly trying to find ways to express that element of my work. How I, I sometimes do workshops. I've got a couple of classes a week that I run this week, um, uh, every week in Edinburgh. Um, and uh, I, f I feel like more and more that's where I'll be pushing my practice. Um, almost towards performance you know that that the exhibition is just really a small part of the output i'd rather it, it doesn't it's not enough for me to for me and 10 right. other people to understand it i want to be that, that um has an effect yeah. you know that really works i'm curious when yeah. you're you know hosting these classes how do you in a very fluid and non-structural format say this is a wrong sculpture or a wrong painting. You should have done it like this. I'm just, even in terms of interpretation for us who view the art, how do we say actually yeah. this was very good or this was wrong? Teachings, I think your responsibility as a teacher is to, is to mm. get the best out of the student. So you're not there whack them on with a stick saying that's right or wrong. But you are there to to help them to be uh, uh, to improve, you know, to be better artists or be to be more um, uh, capable. You know, it's like here are the here are the tools. This is how you sail the yacht. Now you go and sail. But it'd be it'd be irresponsible to to give someone a yacht and not teach them how to sail and then send them into the into the ocean and let them learn on their own. And I think it's a bit like that. So as a teacher. Um, there are various exercises which I introduce the, 
the, to the pupils. Some of them are just um, uh, mindfulness exercises. So they're, they're really just about um, being present and connecting and being there. Um, the others are, are, are training your own inner discipline to, you, you know it's wrong. You don't need to tell you it's wrong. Uh, and, and training that ability, that discipline to, to make those adjustments. Um, and it's not something that you ever master. You know, it's constantly there. At every point, there's a challenge. You know, you think, like I had, you know, you, I came back here after having these two big exhibitions and I felt pretty good about them. And like immediately, it's back to square one. You know, it's, there's no like resting on laurels. And I think if you practice this kind of inner... Um, rigor, then you get better at navigating through them and, and keeping it playful and, and light. Mm. But you can't do that by being lazy. You know, you've, you've got to do it. And uh, so as a teacher, it's, it's about kind of inspiring and making it bright and fun and, and, and so on. But it's also like, um, <laughs> you know, it's wrong, right? <laughs> so. And, and then when you, um, earlier you were alluding to, you know, societal ills and when, how do you intersect yeah. art with whichever art medium, whether it be writing or, you know, painting, sculpting, whatever it may be, even music with, um, let's say, raising awareness without being too obvious? Because, for you know, if you're, you know, doing a series yeah. on gun violence, I mean, it would be, okay, an obvious thing would be a gun and <laughs> like a no <laughs> entry type of sign. But how do you... Do you, are you dependent yeah. on the description or do you try again, like you were saying, to be as honest as you can be in your delivery? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question because it's, mm. it's a real danger mm. to make art for a, for a, a kind of banner, you know, uh, or a, I think that the most transformative art, whether it's a film or it's a piece of music, um, or a painting, or or um, or a book, or you know any art, the most useful um, art is is something that speaks deeply, honestly from within the soul of that artist, um, and uh, as 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 deeply and as honestly as possible, um, and, and delivered in such a way that um, uh, it's uncluttered. With, with all the other stuff. And it's, it's amazing that the power of that kind of art to, um, mm. to connect to everyone. You know, it may not be a story. You know, maybe you didn't grow up in a fishing <laughs> village in Nicaragua, but something about that telling of that story that um, yeah. uplifts us all, you know, or... or, or uh, or maybe it's shared pain or it's a, you know, I, I've got a, I went to, to Rome last year with my family and uh, I'd always wanted to see Michelangelo's Pieta, which is a famous, his most famous sculpture. It's, it's um, white marble and it's of um, the Virgin Mary holding the, the dead Jesus. So he's, Jesus has died and he's come off the cross and she's got him in his lap, in her lap. And um, I've been warned, you know, you, when you go see this paint or the sculpture, you're going to be in tears. And, you know, it's one of those masterpieces. And I, I built up a bit of trepidation <laughs> about it. Like, what if I don't have that reaction? <laughs> um, and you, you come into the Vatican, which is actually kind of, it's almost gross how much marble is in this building. It's, it's a kind of opulent statement. And just there on the right is this quite small in proportion, white marble sculpture, a Pieta. And immediately, I mean, I even get emotional now thinking about it, you know, my yeah. throat's tightening right now. It was in, in floods of tears. And, and what, what Michelangelo has managed to do in the sculpture is, is it's a mother holding her child who's just died. Um, and yet it's all, all mothers and all children and it's um, the, the greatness of spirit being passed from mother to child and, and to all of us. And then it's a mother and 
and a child again. And, you know, there I am in tears because it's, it's, it's everything I'm talking about. It's, it's a kind of, it's not Jesus and Mary and blah, blah, blah. It's, my, it's Michelangelo's precise vision, you know. And um, so it transforms. Every, your, your experience is so personal and intimate. <laughs> and everyone cries. And I looked around and they're like, so, so that's, that's, I think, what great art does. You know, it takes something so deeply personally felt and it makes it available for all of us. And we, we're, a, we're a community, you know, all of us on this planet. And it's important, even more important than ever, to feel that we're a community, that we are one. And, um, and not just with other humans, we are one with mm. nature, with this planet. We need to remember that deep love that is natural to us. You know, when we were a kid, you know, jumping in puddles, you know, the wonder, we need to remember that. Um, and I think art yeah. has a great function yeah. in, in this. Um, just listening to your interpretation reminded me of um, a review I had read and someone said, it's so interesting that when you enter um, that place, you, you think you'd see the sculpture of Mary and, and Jesus really large, that you realize that you kind yeah. of shrink <laughs> to their size as well. So yeah. how do you play with um, different mediums and sizes and shapes and um, mm. colors and so on? Yes, scale and, well, all of these elements are, you, that's the kind of beautiful, magical toolbox that you have at your disposal as an artist. With the exhibition in, uh, recently in South Africa, I've always wanted to make a massive painting. Um, you know, the kind of painting that you stand <laughs> under and you have to like, you know, and we, even when you're looking up, you can't kind of quite see the top. And I was, it was really fortunate to have the opportunity to do that there because of the space and so on. Um, and uh, and it actually just gave me the a taste for for mm. the magic of scale. And I now want to make bigger paintings because somehow that that incredible feeling of being immersed by this this color and the scale. So that that trick I loved. But then also you know mm. scale can also work in the opposite, like making these paintings which bring you right in. There's this intimate relationship. Um, I think one of the biggest tasks as an artist, because you have everything, you know, you could literally throw everything at the canvas and it would be a, a mess. And so, so the, the challenge is not so much what you, what you add, it's what you leave out, you know, and how having the discipline to maybe it's, it's just only blue, you know, maybe this one's, uh, it's, it's really only about that one thing, you know, I'm not trying to say everything. Um, and, uh, but, you know, there are no rules. That's the magic. You know, you, 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 you start with this journey as an artist thinking I'm this kind of artist. And as you get older, this kind of quite exquisite thing happens, which is you realize, <laughs> hey, no one's really watching anyway. As in, you know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so you may as well do exactly what it is you want. And, and the other is that um, if you're going to do it, you may as well make it like, I, I, in fact, when I was a kid, I was—I had this wonderful man called David Body, who he—he—he um, he, uh, he, he was a, a teacher, you know, one of my teachers, and he said to me, Jonathan, if you're going to be wrong, be thunderously wrong. And um, I've always felt like that's the kind of motto as an artist. You know, you've got to—you um, uh, have. You have everything possible, but you but you you've got to kind of pick something yeah. and, and have um, a go. We have a question from yeah. my friend Lucia. She's asking. Um, she says right. painting can be repetitive work. So how do you maintain attention to detail? And um, does patience come naturally, yeah. or is it something you had to develop with every piece and project you've been a part of? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. Um, um, I mean, patience, does patience <laughs> you do come meditate, <laughs> meditate, I mean, I must say, actually, when I was younger, meditating was, was really painful. I mean, not painful. It was, it was like, <laughs> God, that's, that's hard work. Um, I find it easier now, actually, a little bit. Um, I feel like now I can meditate. It's like dipping into like a pool. You know, it's always there and I can just close my eyes and, and I'm back in that pool again, which is 
so wonderful to to have find found that place but um patience i've i've never found that difficult actually it's the opposite sometimes <laughs> it's laziness is a real uh, very honest you know you, you kind of turn up and you sit there like yeah i'm in the studio i'm working but you're not you're it's like you're on instagram or you or you like staring at the wall you know um and so so sometimes i i last last when when the the pandemic hit and all the galleries were closed and so on i i wanted to stay engaged and and actually didn't really have much of a relationship on on instagram apart from posting photos of me like in the mountain or on the beach or whatever um so um you know occasionally feeding it but i thought if i'm going to engage i may as well do it daily so i started this daily painting project where i put a painting online every day uh for for 200 pounds and um i did 600 days in a row so each day there was another day and another and i sold you know 550 of them or something and it was amazing. it 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 completely hijacked that intrinsic laziness like you do a day's work as an artist and then you think oh well i've done well you know i can take some time off or oh, i've had an exhibition and mm. that doesn't really produce good art you know you need practice you know and the muse she disappears the second mm. you're not working you know you can't sit muse she's gone man she's 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 with someone who's actually busy and and i think um it's the same with the you know relationship with the the spirit you know you you it comes from work you know so so i've learned that you know and i've got better at that the the um and i guess where patience comes in is the patience to you know it doesn't always work you do terrible paintings and you do good ones and you know the patience is to kind of get out of the way and allow it to happen you know i actually started making um apart from the daily paintings i started doing a daily <laughs> bad drawing so like in um <laughs> um to almost like trick myself into not being too precious um but then the bad drawing started to wow. become really good <laughs> and then attention to detail is is a really i think it's detail can be a real problem in painting you know when you get too mm. focused on the details and you forget about the but um the the discipline to to uh i learned this from my father um is to have really good studio discipline like clean your brushes tidy up every day make sure the place is returned to how it should be, you know how you'd want it to be for someone else um and that kind of attention to detail the sort of getting the space it's almost like you preparing the um the temple <laughs> for worship you know uh, and um it it really works you know because you come in every the next morning and the place is is it's like it's a fresh day that that yeah. i find yeah. profoundly helpful you know the rest kind of you can't really control it and the more you try and control painting or the the more it 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 sort of dies on you you've got to you've got to do work in preparing the space and preparing yourself and then you've got to take your hands off the handlebar and and allow it to come through interesting and I'll yeah. come and get it to um some of the questions we have in the comment section but I find it interesting yeah. how you said that the muse will go if you don't I guess you know honor it and it's just been a yeah. concept I've been thinking about um for the past few weeks of how sometimes ideas and thoughts are not really originated within because you find that someone if you don't act on it someone else is probably going to do it and then you're like i thought of the same thing yeah. so it requires a certain level mm. of discipline mm. and you did mention that there are no rules but i am saying that there are yeah. some fundamental rules when it comes to yeah but that that's an amazingly that's yeah. a really well observed point you know the idea is yours but it's arrived and it's, it's there it is in front of you and and you've got to do it then you know you you can't you know if you don't do it now then it'll it'll disappear and it'll move on and someone else will pick it up because these ideas exist yes. in the collective consciousness you know they they come think out of a need you know um the the planet or the the cosmos or the or the collective human consciousness um calls forth something and, and as a receptor you like a radio 
tuning in. So it's not your idea, but there it is in front of you. And the best way to do it is now and um, with as much honesty as you can, you know, and, and to, to speak from your own experience. Um, and it's funny because when, when those ideas arrive fresh like that, it's like a miracle. Oh my God, that's, it's amazing. Um, and they tend to come back again, you know, but they come back, you know, yeah. it's like they hit you on the head a bit harder and then harder. And if you, if you, if you get into the habit of missing those moments, um, it's amazing how many other problems come in. You know, uh, I'm not successful. I should have done this. I should have gone to that university. If I didn't, if I had that gallery behind me, I'd be more successful. If I had money for paint, blah, 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 etc. You know, and often all of those are, are much later in the process when the idea arrives you know it's like a little it's like a feather blowing in through the window you know and it requires very little from you you just have to <laughs> notice it and then it, yeah. you know. uh, we have another yeah. question which is which i find kind of funny how quickly mm. do you do your work so i'm also very curious do you have the time frame to say but then again you had that portrait that after three months yeah. Some some works are, are needs needs time and some some, but actually honestly, <laughs> the, the quicker yeah. the better. I mean, it, I'll tell you a story um, which I was told when I was studying, and it took me a long time to really understand, and I think I'm beginning to understand it now. Um, there was this uh, Japanese um, master uh, monk and an artist. Um, uh, hundreds of years ago and um he was the master of painting mount fuji so in, in the japanese tradition uh you would be the master of a certain image so you would be the master of mount fuji and he would be the master of <laughs> leaves you know? um, and and really this idea that you work on something your whole life to be a master of that thing and this young apprentice asked the master how do i paint mount fuji and he said well you get in a rowing boat and you row out into the lake and you meditate in front of Mount Fuji, um, and then you come back, and then you do that again <laughs> for the next 40 years. And, and, then, and then on the, the first day of the 41st year, you row out into the lake, and you, you get a piece of paper, and you paint Mount Fuji. <laughs> and um, I, I love this idea that all of the work is, is, is in your own pre preparation, your spiritual preparation you you preparing your body you preparing your um, environment but the moment of execution should be should be without um in its perfect state yeah. it should come quickly you know and, and i i do strive for that you know i think i think and i use material i use methods that kind of create chaos because in some ways i do have my studio is very ordered, but it's it's like it's set up for chaos. And a lot of the, the I, I mean, I made a brush the other day, which I needed a huge brush. I, I couldn't buy one. You can't buy, a, you know, like a massive one. Um, <laughs> so I went to a wig shop and I bought these like, I made, made, a, made a brush with this wig. And then like, I was dipping the paint in a bucket and then painted this amazing the circle um but there was no way i could do that kind of slowly because all the energy would be gone it needed to be done in a single stroke um so that's my that's my process um but then there are other works that i begin and then i'll turn to the wall and come back a year later and somehow <laughs> like the elves have been working on it you know, and, and a year later i know exactly what to do so you know, not some pic pictures need time, um, but it doesn't mean you're working on it the whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's me and, at least. Um, I am curious and not to dampen the mood. I'm sure there are a lot of young artists yeah. who would love yeah. to really focus on the creativity and look within. Um, but mm. the, like you said, the yeah. business side of things gets a bit frustrating, I would imagine how would you advise them to go about, especially those who are starting out or those who, who are really looking for support yes. with galleries yeah. or even selling their art pieces? It's a, it's a really important um, 
and and part of it and it's it's not it's something that I'm, i think we sh we really need to demystify um you know there is this gallery structure and there it exists but you can really you can get really depressed feeling like you're outside of something and and you'll never get in it and you can't really get in it you know the, the, it's 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 not you know just turning up with your art at a gallery you know it's so counterproductive and quite often those interactions can be quite negative um but we we we've never been before been in such an amazing age where art can sidestep all of that we've got instagram we've got tiktok we've got um uh, the internet basically um and and then selling platforms like shopify and you know you can build a website with a shop on it and i don't think i've got a shop on my website and you know i think this whole idea that artists must be you know you can only buy it in this this sacred place called the gallery and there's no price tag and you're embarrassed to ask what the price is and the gallery's probably going to you know um make yeah. you feel inadequate etc you know i think i think for a young artist the most important thing is to make art you could spend a lot of time worrying about am i going to be seen will who will see me and i know that i had certainly in the my 20s felt mm. really kind of excluded from it and 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 then you start making art that you think should fit in a gallery and you go to a gallery and you see art that looks like it's selling and so you try and make art like that um and none of that works you, you the what genuinely works every time is if you make a lot of art yeah. and you make it from yourself you know tell your story and tell your story through uh the mediums like this that we're on now but but tell everyone you know <laughs> and 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 you know a lot of a lot of your work will sell to your friends and family through even now at, at least a quarter of my work goes to wonderful friends and and family and um and that's great you know that's how a community is supports the artists mm. don't be ashamed of that um value your work you know set a price uh that you think is fair don't overprice you know because it's more important to sell your work than it is to sit on a kind of three paintings you did this year you know that us that should be worth a million you know mm. rather sell 300 you know for 300 pounds a thousand rand the point is that you're making art and and the world needs you to make art so make lots of it and and um value it and honor it but don't um hide it from the world you know and you you guarantee i guarantee you there are there are people who will buy your work you know and um uh there there's um if anyone who's listening wants advice young artists i'm i'm you just hop on instagram send me a question i've i've got i can help a little bit i guess but you know i'm very, and you'll find actually that a lot of artists who are appear to be established or you know they'll mm. they're really keen to help you know and they so don't be afraid of asking uh, sending them a message you might get a few artists that are um, <laughs> assholes but you know, that's mostly mostly people feel happy to be asked a question and yeah. uh, they'll they'll yeah. happily help and yeah. um in a line uh, along the lines of social media like you're talking about there's this really exciting yep. phenomena with um artificial intelligence and it creating its own art pieces um so for you do you mm. find ai a friend or a foe or do you find it something that you can just collaborate with if you add talent and just appreciate the technology yeah i mean it's uh, i I've thought a little bit about it. I I'd have to admit I haven't thought that much about AI because I frankly <laughs> oh, wow. I find okay. it boring. You know, I think this idea that that AI <laughs> is somehow threatening is is I think yeah. a clickbait thing. You know, AI amalgamation of all the information that's out there and your superpower as an artist is that what you oh, have in you isn't out good. there yet. <laughs> so, so AI will never be able to replicate that thing that you haven't said yet so so i don't i don't i think that sort of whole obviously it's just launched and there's this huge kind of um buzz around it but i think largely that'll that'll abate i don't i don't think um you know ai is not going to start taking over the music industry 
um, more than it already is. You know, I think how many pop songs are manufactured anyway? How much of visual imagery is, you know, used, for example, for advertising, etc., is just an amalgamation of what's already there. So I, I see it as a threat. I mean, I think possibly it's an interesting tool, you know, maybe ways that it can be manipulated. Um, I'm a little bit old school, you know, I, I do believe in the magic of a thing that's in your presence. Um, I feel like this technology that we're, even this one we're communicating on right now is amazing because it's yeah. there you are and here I am and we're actually having a conversation. And that kind of AI area, um, but I, I still don't feel like it's, uh, we're, it's not even like it's technology that will develop towards something that's threatening. I think it's a completely separate entity. Um, it'd be amazing to see what um, the power of the human imagination mm. infused with, with this new tool. Um, you know, we, we're, anything that makes us feel afraid, we should look at and, you know, understand and, and develop through. But, you know, these ideas of AI being, you know, greatly, hugely dangerous, et cetera. Yeah. I'm, I'm I do like that, that um, trail of thought because it took a human mind to create the AI anyway. So <laughs> at the core of it. <laughs> and, and one final, not final thought, but I mean, my, my, my kind of final thought on AI is that um, in many ways, we're, we're, we're also a product of yes. a constellation of ideas and energy. You know, we're, we're part of the, the great mind thinking, thinking itself, you know, so, so, so this idea that, that, um, uh, that we should be kind of putting up barriers against AI, you know, I, I think that's yeah. pointless. <laughs> it, we're fine. Um, yeah. From Jenny, she says, AI still needs a creative mind to create the said idea. Um, earlier you spoke about yeah. how well, artists have to, you know, share their own individualistic experiences. So which piece have you created yeah. that, um, this is from a question from Bushia, she's asking which piece do you kind of, like, do you draw all your pieces from your personal mm. experiences and which piece are you drawn to the most? Of your own work, yes. Of my own work, yeah. Um, so actually, recently, the, the exhibition at Nyrox was, uh, it was mm. such a moving experience for me because the paintings were birthed in, uh, in a completely um, honest, um, um, they came from within. And, and it was the first time I felt completely wow. like these works happened from within, you know, and they, they didn't have, um, it's partly to do with the confidence you get when you when you get a bit older, maybe, or you mm. or you just stop kind of um, doing all the other stuff, and you just focus on exactly mm. this is exactly what I'm feeling. Um, so somehow they they become less judged in the kind of good, bad, successful, unsuccessful. There, there. It's a new it's a new feeling, and that that experience of making the work and then seeing it in the, the perfect space. Um, you know, open to nature, uh, back back in Johannesburg, with the kind of sound of that place and the um, the scale of the work. Um, I, it was a really powerful experience because I felt like I I did make these works, but I actually didn't make them. They they came in through or they came from somewhere else, and I so I was kind of witnessing it, but also knew that that it, it came. From that special place so yeah that, that whole show is almost yeah. like a single artwork to me you know the the experience of making it and seeing it up um and and it gave me the courage to go further yeah. you know into that um there's a collection i'd like to really ask you about the what did you, i think you titled it yeah mm. the mountain is harder to climb than you think very discouraging oh my <laughs> goodness <laughs> disheartening <laughs> That title was given, I, I asked my, my 11 year old son, Leonardo, to give me the title. Um, and um, the, the experience was amazing. So basically, I, I've been collecting rocks. Um, and it's like, 
Oh, no, that's not. Anyway, I collect rocks and mountains. Um, yeah. There's one up there. <laughs> I think you can see it. <laughs> and uh, often it's rocks which have faces in them. Um, and I think um, Credo Mutua, uh, you know, the great Credo Mutua was a, spoke a lot about this human um, need to, to see ourselves mm. in nature. And, and he spoke a lot about these ancient faces in the rocks and, and, and not, not just him, many, many people that I admire and look up to. So, um, and, I, and when I'm in mountains, you know, quite often you'll see a face and there's this huge rock face, you know, and there's this, it looks like, like an old man looking down at you or, or a, um, so yeah, I, I, over time collected these rocks uh, that had these, already had faces in them and I took them to my studio and I'd carve further into them and bring the faces out. And I just happened to have a few, and I, I wanted to do to an, do an exhibition, but I didn't want to do it in a white space, you know, like a sort of uh, yeah. brightly lit white cube gallery. It just felt wrong, you know, and, and felt like an insult to these rocks. So I thought, you know, what would be the best way to um, to kind of return them to the mountain? This way, it would be to have an exhibition in the in the mountain. Um, so I found this cave in the like far north of Scotland called the Bone Caves, um, and uh, and decided that I would carry the entire exhibition on my back. Um, the studio <laughs> seemed like a good idea because it was like three three stones sculptures, the, the bases which are stone, and then yeah. the plinths, the wooden things on top, and then three paintings, and then also like some stuff to make paint and and. Um, Actually, when we got to the base of the mountain, there was a, a, a friend who's a gallerist and filmmaker followed me up. Uh, I couldn't actually lift the bag. It was like 68 kilos or something. And, and then the strap broke. And I suddenly it was, seemed almost impossible. Uh, and in my head, it was such a great idea, you know. Um, but we managed to fix the strap and then two of the guys got the pack onto my back and I had my two sons with me and they carried the, the tent and the sleeping bags. And somehow the, I had, was able to find the sort of inner will to get up this mountain. Um, I've never had such a, a powerful experience. And it's, I'm sure people who really do these amazing feats of endurance way more than I did will, will know this feeling where you, you go through a point of your own ego, you know, you're like, it's not possible. It's impossible. And then, and then you just take another step and then another step. And at a certain point, your ego kind of leaves you alone. It's like, well, you, I can't help you here. <laughs> so, and it, it leaves you and then something else walks. It's not you. It's not your ego. It's, a, it's almost like a sort of higher power that, that carries you. Um, and that, that was such a profound feeling. It felt like the mountain was supporting me. And um, and so we got to the cave, and actually they didn't get all the footage Jesus. they wanted, so I did it again. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, so we had this exhibition in a cave um, in the north of Scotland, <laughs> and uh, from my two sons and myself <laughs> and the three people from the film crew, uh, we slept in the cave. Amazing, amazing experience. This. You know, it, this wild country in the north. North. Of, I mean, there, there, there are no animals really. There's like an eagle. That's about it. They didn't even have snakes in Scotland, but <laughs> but it was pretty wild and cold. And then we had a fire and, and um, woke up in the morning and there was this like rainbow, and it was you know as if I had got the message already. It's like we and it it was it was probably one of the most important experiences of my life to date. You know understanding that when you put yourself through incredible extreme difficulty um you get this extra strength or you get this extra gift you know um and i think it's to do with uh that power that comes through being supp supplicating in front of something bigger than you you know it's like prayer. you know when you pray to a higher power or or where you ask for help you know from something of bigger then um it requires you to be humble you know and when you're when you're humble through extreme like physical ad, um, 
trouble or pain, or just you just really like at your wit's end. That's when this kind of divine intervention can come and help. Um, and, and I don't think you can get that by like taking a, a quad bike up the hill. You know? I, I, think, I think it came through a process of, so yeah, anyway, when I got to, to the bottom of the mountain, I, I asked Leonardo, what should we call this exhibition? And he said, um, we should call it A Mountain is Harder to Climb Than You Think. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think anyone, it's interesting that you're talking about ego because anyone who get the chance or just the, the opportunity rather to experience your art pieces and you'll let us know um, where we can find your um, exhibitions. But um, what I experienced is your painting specifically for, you know, Spirit Matters, um, it had a halo effect and yeah and it was so yeah, interesting right. that yeah. it was almost as if there was an encounter with divinity and for some reason it was a mm. brief moment but i can just beautifully describe that it felt as though my ego is completely betraying me at that moment and weeks after that wow. because i've been listening to um wayne dyer and he said that ego is an acronym for edging god out and when you stop edging God out, that yeah, divinity, yeah. You, you start um, experiencing it mm. and looking within, like you said. And it's a very weird and honest moment. And I don't know how you feel about the fact that your art has such an impact on someone you've never met. And <laughs> to hear that, but you, I, my honest reaction is, is I feel as blessed uh, um, to kind of witness it as I don't really yeah. feel like it's me, you know. I, I think I think I feel I feel grateful that the work is able to do that. You know, I feel really quite moved. Actually, it's really beautiful that the work does that. Um, I think I think um, our natural state is mm -hmm. to shine. You know, is to is to to that kind of halo glow, that kind of numinous light that I'm trying to. Um, make space for you know um it's it's it feels to me like that's our natural state you know our natural state is is to um be luminous you know um and so when we see these kind of um bright uh things you know um it's not like oh my god that's so uh so beautiful and and big and outside me I think we're recognizing something that's within us you know so so um, so yeah that, that that's the gift you know and and, and I feel I feel uh, really quite um, excited that uh, yeah. that the work is having that effect you know it's um, yeah. it's, it's beautiful to it to me I feel really um, privilege to be part of this kind of language uh, that isn't my own, but it's something that I yeah. can facilitate. I know? could go on for another hour, but <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. Um, please do let us know where are you exhibiting? You did mention Nairx Sculpture Park in Johannesburg. Um, where else can people find you around the world? Yeah. Well, um, the work... Uh, I've I've got a um, I work with Gallery Momo in Johannesburg. They 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 have works of mine, and even though the show exhibition is finished, you can always go and ask to see work. They have it sometimes in their storeroom. They'll bring it out, or um, if you're in Edinburgh, you're always welcome to come and see me in my studio. Um, and uh, I'm planning to to I'm doing something in Switzerland this year, and um, I've got a plan to do a show in London. Um, and I'll definitely be back in South Africa for another show in 20, <laughs> what year are we at? 2024. So I worked out what it'll be yet. I feel like, um, I feel like it might be something um, outside the gallery space. I, I'd really love in a desert or, or something. So um, anyway, if you follow me on Instagram, I'll, you know, watch that space. I, I'll, I'm, I've got various plans I'm plotting. Um, I'm going to do an exhibition on the top of a hill in the Alps. That experience wasn't enough. <laughs> oh, not a hill, a mountain. <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a, a project, which there's this mountain in the Isle of Skye, which is just off, off on the west coast of Scotland. And I discovered this mountain, which has a, um, an old temple, a ruin, like a little um, 
uh, it's like a little chapel, but the, the roof's gone, a little stone chapel. And behind it is this mountain. Uh, it's a corbett, which is like a mini mountain, but it's quite, you know, like an hour's hike. And on top of this mountain is this pile of stones. And underneath these stones, it's the legend is that there's this um, uh, Viking princess is buried. And she was buried there because she could feel the wind blowing from her homeland on her body. And so I have a project in, it's going to be in September, where I climb, I take a, a huge boulder up the mountain and I place it on the cairn. And then I take another stone, grind it up and make a painting and then bring that painting down to the chapel below the mountain. Um, and we'll be, we'll be filming it uh, and showing it somehow but right. anyway so that's the next main project is harder than you think suggestions <laughs> I, I feel like the working title at the moment is where the stone oh, touches so the sky so beautiful thank you so much for sharing your gift with the world what a great what's that great, what a great I know, conversation. Right? It just thank you so, so much. And we've just gone over an hour. So I just want to apologize for exceeding our time and to thank everyone who's um, joined in. This episode will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all podcast streaming platforms. Thank you so much. And please enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. All right, bye. You too. It is.